please welcome the filmmaker Piero Hongasalo. Since this is a series that's based on cinematography, I, I feel like uh, the the big thing we were just talking about and we were having dinner just now is that this was shot on 35 millimeter. Uh, so if you could explain just how difficult that was. Uh, actually, this uh, you are the premier audience of the digital <laughs> copy of it because I always have the thought that I go in my coffin with celluloid in my mouth that I don't want to touch the digital but I had to give up because cinemas don't say uh, show uh, film prints anymore uh, so this was just became ready a few weeks ago uh, it's uh, it, it's a German production, and uh, the Germans demanded that it has to be on 35, which is crazy, as we were <coughs> traveling 6,000 kilometers in public transportation in India and ended up having 600 kilos of equipment and 48 cases <laughs> with us. Because in 35, it's not only that the camera is really heavy, but it is uh, everything is the batteries, the film cans, everything is heavy. And I think it's quite unimaginable for many of the young filmmakers now that you have four minutes in the magazine. Then it takes 20 minutes to put. <laughs> uh, before you can continue, because in India it's so dirty that before we could change the magazine into the 35mm camera, we had to build a tent and go into the tent to change for the next four minutes. So it's a little bit... That's why I wanted to show Atman here, of course, also because it's won your receiving prize in IDFA. And it has been very meaningful for me, but uh, but uh, in quite short time, it really the thinking has been changed. We also, when we traveled and we shot this, we had nine um, nine weeks shooting time. We didn't see anything, so the only thing we saw was that. The insurance company demanded that we had to develop in this kind of photo uh, uh, can one meter of film every day. But of course it was kind of developed in the water of holy water of Ganges and, and uh, so we could see something black and white. The only thing we could see that there were no scratches, but of course we couldn't artistically see anything. That's, I think, also uh, effects on the mind of the cinematographer. <laughs> that uh, then we had 
uh, coffee before we came here, and they asked that, what do you know, what we were shooting? And I said, I remember every shot. It's the old school that you remember everything you have been shooting, and you handle it in your head, not in your computer. The good old days. Um, I mean, it's it's amazing to me that you're you were carrying around this much equipment for thousands of kilometers, just following them on this pilgrimage. I mean, did you have do you have did you have a sense of the itinerary? Did you know how far you would be traveling? How many kilometers? Did you know where you were going? Did he know where you were going? Of course we know, because we traveled from the beginning of the River Ganges to the end of River Ganges. <laughs> that was easy to know. Uh, but actually the River Ganges starts in Bangladesh, but for the India, Indians it starts at the Sagar Island, which is the beginning of the film with a few million people uh, having the festival there. But what happened on the way, of course, we didn't know anything about that. And, uh, but uh, as uh, it's somehow I anyway even though I would have digital camera, I have made sin and I have shot with digital camera one film. <laughs> So, but I didn't shoot any more material than I would shoot with film camera. It's so no, the the thing is not the digital. The thing is, what is your thinking? How you think that I sh I shoot very little, even whatever camera I would have. The maximum is one to six, and uh, so. I look through the camera a lot, but my finger doesn't <laughs> push the bottom too often. Maybe I'm the only cinematographer and director that if the producer is on the location, he or she is running after me and saying, shoot something. <laughs> but uh, I think it's... It's a different way as, as I came to uh, film when even uh, film for photographs was so expensive that I, when I was working in uh, like uh, feature fictions, I always collected the five, ten meters of the end of, <laughs> of the cinema rolls and I took photographs of them, those and developed them in the uh, film laboratory because film was too expensive. So it, it, it develops a kind of... Uh, I actually... I, I, I say there's million ways to make good or bad films and I don't say this old way of thinking is any better. You can make a good film out of... 5,000 hours of film, but uh, I was teaching once in middle uh, 
Russia in Lake Seliger, young people, and there was one Finnish girl who had been in a film school in in uh, St. Petersburg, where they didn't have any cameras either. They didn't have film or cameras. They were just imagining that they were shooting. And it was very interesting that she did the most interesting films. Because, <laughs> because everything happened in the head. And uh, yeah. uh, then there was a Norwegian boy who had asked for my help. He had 150 hours of film from Africa, and he said, could I help him that he should make a 10 minutes film out of it? But I had to say to him, there's no 10 minutes in this 150 hours. So the world has changed so rapidly that maybe we should go back and have film school without cameras and film. It's a manifesto for the future. Um, I, I mean, this. Uh, I want to ask if you could tell the story about the length of this film and why it's 75 minutes, uh, why Atman is 75 minutes, and... and yeah. <laughs> this has nothing to do with the cinematography. <laughs> we talked about it, so he wants me to tell it to you that... Uh, there are two versions of the film. The other one I don't call a version. I call it castration. And then there is the film. But um, as it's a, a German pro production, I usually I carefully see that I, get, I have the final cut for the film. But in Munich, I was sitting in a room <laughs> with five German lawyers, and my German is not very good. And then when the producer saw the rough cut, he looked at me and said, nobody in the world can understand anything about this. I said, okay. <laughs> okay, what do I do now? And then kind of... Um, do you remember the scene when they have reached the Himalayas and Jamanana is putting a stone uh, and then uh, uh, Shantaba is, and they, they pour water on the stone? Then this was the key point. She said, nobody can understand what happens here. And I, I said, Every Finn can understand what happens there. They simply have... Uh, uh, they have built an altar for themselves and then they pray what, in front of what they have just built. And then he said, what, what the hell is this stone? I said, for them it's the penis of Shiva. But then they, you have to tell it. You have to have voiceover which is telling that this is the penis of Shiva, this stone. Then I realized that I had lost the game. <laughs> that, uh, and then uh, I knew that now I'm really in trouble, that I'm never going to see the film which I think I'm making. And I called Finland, the Finnish television and the Finnish film foundation and said that I'm now in deep trouble. 
can you please give me money that I can take a duplicate of the negative and send it to Finland? And it, of course, was a crime because I didn't own the film. But they gave the money, and so uh, what we did was that I became suddenly a nice girl. I was saying to the producer that, yes, I do want to me to write a voiceover which is telling everything which is in the picture. She said, yes. So I said, okay, I write it. I wrote it. And uh, that you want that Shamananal and Shantabai and the others are dubbed by German actors. Okay, I directed the actors, but behind their back I was making <laughs> my own and uh, I found a wonderful old lady in the Ariflex laboratory in Munich who understand, understood my pain. And what we did was that, because my version was 20 minutes longer, we first got that. We took a duplicate negative, which I paid, and we sent it fast to Finland. Then he physic she physically opened every cut. <laughs> which was very risky. She could have kind of destroyed the whole negative. But she was very skillful. And then we edited the German version. And uh, uh, the producer never knew what I was doing. And then when I got it ready, I sent it to Itfa, and it was chosen to, to the competition. And it won the Joris Evans Prize. It won the festival. So late at night, I called the German producer and said, congratulations, we won. And he was super happy to say, wow, this is a great thing to our, our company that we won. I said, but it's not exactly the same. <laughs> it's, your, it's 20 minutes longer, and it doesn't have... Uh, it's not dubbed and has a few other things different. <laughs> and um, I have to say that uh, it saved me because there was a very long silence. And then they tried to say the German castration to Munich Film Festival, but they wanted the ITFA one. And then they decided to negotiate with me. I could, of course, I thought I have to go to court because I had no rights for the film. And then we negotiated two years and then we settled an agreement that I have the rights for, for, for all the cinema rights for, for this film and they have all the rights for the castration. But... They are obviously selling the castration to several places because I'm getting money from it. <laughs> so that's what you wanted to hear. I, I couldn't resist. I, it's a story where the director won. So, um, but uh, yes, I mean, concentrating now on the on the cinematography and, and the film. Uh, I mean, it's it's such a hard subject to film, really, because you're filming this combination of you know, crowd scenes, really hectic action, you know, people milling about, very busy, 
but you're also focusing on one person and a very interior experience uh, and a spiritual experience for, for Jamana Lal and for, for the others, which is a hard thing to capture on film. Uh, could you talk a bit about that? Mm, yes, I, I think that uh, the only reason why I make films is that film is a medium where you can talk about what you cannot talk about. And, uh, and what interests me most is the silence in man. I would almost say it like the animal silence inside man. And in that we all are same. And uh, you cannot order it. If you manage to catch even one moment where you see that you... Of course, when you make a f film about people like Jamanalal, you need to love them, not in the American way in the real way. <laughs> and, uh, uh, so that you don't hurt them. And, uh, but you also, for me, it's very important to have distance. With documentary, so often you get the question, how did you get so close to the people? That, uh, but I think, as important is that how did I manage to have distance? <laughs> Think because in if you with your camera manage to get the moments when the people are inside themselves, they are maybe the most valuable moments. And uh, with this kind of film, when you go into a totally different culture and. Uh, what here interested me very much is that as for Chamanalal, as I sensed, not understood, but as I sensed, the world is one. There's not a different thing like God or nature or uh, everything is one. And uh, every everything is... Uh, uh, combined with everything else. And in our minds, we kind of, uh, we are uh, meaning-seeking animals. We seek meaning, when, and then we also risk to lose the meaning. <laughs> Uh, and we divide things and when you have the kind of consciousness or existence as Jamanalal has in a way you could think that we have lost our innocence but I'm not this is not a moral question but uh, that could I, as a filmmaker, as, as a cinematographer, even at one moment, 
reach the state of existence where his mind is at. And that's what the camera is for. Yeah, I mean, in, in many cases, I think you're almost catching yeah, Jamanalal and other people's reaction shots to what to what they're kind of experiencing, to what they themselves are experiencing in a way, which is interesting. Um, and, and then there's they're also, you know, very more, um, you know, human um, emotional moments, like uh, when he visits his guru uh, and and asks the guru about Shanta, and he says, "Oh, she has a good heart." You can see how much he's he's smiling at that at that moment, even, even though he's hiding it a little. With uh, I when I started, I didn't know it's going to be the only love story I've ever done. <laughs> but actually, what was very the, the beginning was oh, quite strange because. Um, if I tell how the film started, was that I went alone to India for one month to seek for the character, uh, for the protagonist, for the person. I wanted to make a film about um, pilgrimage because I think it's an amazing thing why in all cultures, almost all cultures, we have a thought that uh, if you make a hard trip far from your own environment, you come back on spiritually on another level. And uh, it's in almost all cultures. So it, like, uh, and I never, in documentary, I never, deep interview any of the characters. So I went alone and I didn't want an Indian person with me because I thought that they don't only translate the language, they also translate the culture and I don't want their translation of their culture. And so I traveled along the river up to the city Haridwar, which also is in the film, where they sent these candles to the river. And a very hard rain started. And so I, there was a little tent which had, a, they were serving tea or selling tea. And I went there because of the rain. And then there was these people who came into the same tents and uh, uh, I saw Jamanala's eyes. I didn't even notice that he was so crippled and they said, it's him. <laughs> and then I took some photographs of him and then of course I didn't have a common language with uh, him because there was nobody with me so I took my little notebook and he wrote his address and I made with hands him to understand that I sent the photographs to him. And so I had his address and his name. And then I went home to Finland and I wrote 32 pages 
script to the German producer without knowing anything about him. <laughs> and here I come back to the point. When I had, I didn't take the script with me when we were shooting. Then when, then when we had finished shooting, I found the script. And there is that he falls in love. <laughs> Which was very surprising. But then I have to tell that what happened after that, that then I went back to India and then I took an Indian person to translate me because then I, of course, wanted to talk. But then um, I showed this notebook and said, let's go and rent a car and go and meet someone else. And they said, more this guy can't really write. It's, it's impossible to see. It, it, it in, it's in Rajasthan, and it's can't read which village. So we went three weeks from village to village, and I was saying, showing the photograph. <laughs> Does anybody know where this man lives? And found him, and uh, what uh, I can't say it's luck but what had happened that his mother had just died and in India uh, if the sons don't make a pilgrimage after the mother's death uh, the soul of the mother cannot join the realm of the ancestors so they have to do it so there I was facing a real pilgrimage not an organized day would have to go anyway. So uh, that was, I don't remember what your question was, but you don't remember either, it's good. <laughs> With an answer like that, it doesn't matter what the question was. <laughs> um, uh, but I'm, I'm very intrigued to hear that you had this uh, treatment script you wrote for, uh, you know, ahead of time. Uh, did the script have these uh, dance, the dance, you know, traditional dance segments? Was that written? Was that a plan to head it? Because they also have very different camera work and cinematography. Uh, actually, it had it. Because I had, in the trip when I went to uh, India, I had seen this kind of dancing and I thought that I want this type of level. And this guy, he's he's from the dancing school, and he came to perform on the way when we were traveling with Jamanalal. It shot in a temple in a small village, and uh, it's lit with the lights of the local photographer. This kind of schools, which are maybe from the forties, and the smoke is done by the local priests where they have their incense and the piece of cardboard wood. <laughs> they create the smoke. So, uh, but I wanted, uh, and somehow I think it needed this other level. I don't... Uh, but this, this was in the script. Uh, but nothing, of course, I... And then with Santa, for example, we were uh, in one city, and 
suddenly Jaman Alal said to me that he cannot continue, that his stomach is so sick that it, it hurts so much. And then I started to think that what had happened during the last day was that uh, there were so many people from his village who had followed him to this pilgrimage that I had thought that we cannot continue with such big crowd and I had organized that part of them go home. And Santa was one of them whom I was sending home. Then I realized what a stupid director that I don't haven't noticed that they are in love. When I said to Jamanalal that uh, how about if Shanta would continue with us? Oh, it doesn't hurt so much anymore. <laughs> but uh, it, it was all the time like that with these people that they never said anything directly. You had to read it otherwise. But then, then suddenly I noticed that they were really in love. Um, I, I think you mentioned uh, when we were talking before that this is actually the product of uh, two trips, that the shooting took place over two different trips, right? Um, so did you change your approach, your technique of shooting those two, two trips? I mean, it might be my imagination, but I felt like in the, I don't know, the final fourth of the film, there, there's a sort of um, uh, more of a piece to the compositions a little bit, but that might also be the fact that they're at the end of the journey. journey. No, it was just I wanted to go because um, it started to be a little bit crazy that that we hadn't seen anything. <laughs> so they were waiting and then we continued, but we went to have the possibility to, to see that uh, there's some image and some no, sound we could hear, but image we couldn't see. It's, uh, uh, I don't think it affected it. It's, it's only that um, towards the end of the film we come closer to Himalaya and the life is so much more peaceful there. And uh, it also affected... Um, uh, we had a crew... Um, I have a female camera assistant. With 35, you have to have an assistant. There's so much to do. And then uh, uh, I took my cousin, who is a lawyer who works in a hospital and never learned to call the camera camera. He always said, should I bring the engine? <laughs> but, but I needed somebody who would, in any situation, to be 100% loyal to, to me. And he also uh, took care of the money. And you could only deal with cash. And uh, we had maybe five kilos of cash, which he was carrying in a in a backpack and only once we were robbed at, uh, and he then also because the 
camera was too heavy for me to lift to my shoulder, so he lifted it always to my shoulder, this engine. And, <laughs> and uh, he was, a, in a way, a bodyguard. So, and then I had a wonderful guy, Farzan, who uh, was a Parsi. Parsis are, what could I say, kind of, uh, we could compare a little bit with Jewish, uh, that they are mostly very well educated. And in, in re their religion, they don't have the caste system which was very good because uh, then for him it was not the problem which castes the, the people were. So he was kind of in between us and the Indians. And then I thought that we have so much stuff that we need a second camera assistant and I looked for him in, in Bombay and I found a guy and when we first met in to start shooting in Calcutta, he came there in a white suit and white shoes and said, you're a second camera assistant, why are you dressed like that? And he said, well, I come from a caste which does not carry. <laughs> and he wouldn't. <laughs> but... But uh, he found his place because he loved to... Because some in many places when you take the camera out, you have immediately a thousand people there. So he loved to have a bamboo stick to keep them away. That was okay for his cast. So... <laughs> So that uh, then I had an Estonian sound man, a sound man who's a natural born Gandhi. He wouldn't complain in any circumstances. For example, we were in one railway station and uh, the train was just leaving and we had this enormous amount of cases, these metal cases and then we understood that uh, that uh, Jaman and Lal was too slow to catch the train. And there were like 10 porters, this guy who you can hire to carry your luggage. And we asked them to ca carry Jaman and Lal to the train, but they refused because he was uh, too low cast. So this Estonian sound man just grabs him and runs the <laughs> train. So I, I think it's, it was a very good crew. I didn't dare to take any Germans because they are used to a little bit better conditions in shooting. <laughs> but uh, so this crew was this Finnish Estonian Parsi crew, they never complained. It's uh, when they saw that it, that it's not possible to organize anything better. And then always when we got to, like to New Delhi, then I took them into the best restaurant, which was called Bolga. 
<laughs> a Russian restaurant at that time. And uh, so that was the gang. And what was also nice culturally different, when we ended the shooting, we went all to Munich and the German producer wanted to offer us a dinner in Munich. And the whole evening we were making fun of how stupid we had been in different situations. And it's out of question in German culture that in front of your employer you would tell stories how, how idiotically you behaved. <laughs> so there's an obvious cultural difference. Because the, uh, two of the who worked for the production were a little bit over 30 years old, both doctors. They have worked six years in the same room and they called each other Dr. So and Dr. So. And I asked, why you can call me Piria when you have to call each other's doctors? And uh, they said that if we call each other with the first name, our boss will think that we have some plots behind his back. That we are two good friends. Are there any Germans in the room? Well, I think we learned a lot about working uh, in India and with Germans. Uh, but uh, I'm afraid that's, that's all the time we have for this. But uh, thank you so much.